Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone, and you you don't have the wrong night. It is Monday. It is June the 19th, 2017, and I'm doing something a little different tonight, and I'm actually conducting the Changebook radio show on my iPhone because we've had tornado warnings and thunderstorm warnings in Canada, and I don't want you to miss one minute of the interview that I have for you tonight. I'm really honored and privileged to have Alan Witch uh, with us tonight on the Changebook Radio Show. We were scheduled to interview Alan a couple of weeks ago, and life gets messy sometimes. So we've rebooked him, and we've slotted in tonight as a special treat for all of you. So let me share a little bit about my friend, Mr. Alan Witch. Alan was a co-author in book number six. And the title of his chapter was How to Become Relevant and Visible to a Global Audience. And one of the things that really strikes me on a regular basis with Alan is I find the way he writes, I I always see the emotion and the passion that goes into any of the work that he does. And just to give you a little bit of background about Alan, he has had a lot of cardiac, cardiac challenges and death experiences And he will tell you during our interview tonight that this has given him a unique approach on creating his life of exponential abundance. And I know that that's two of his favorite words. Alan's become an agent of change. He's a pivot realist. He focuses on leadership, bold action, innovation, collaboration, and partnering for the entrepreneur with heart disease. Not because he thinks it's trendy, but because it's been his journey. Alan has a transparent approach to personal success and failure, and he couples that with his great sense of humor, which you'll get a glimpse of tonight. And I just love that everything that is the foundation of Alan, and and I love that he embraces himself to motivate his clientele or his audiences when he's professionally speaking. And he helps them to unlock their own individual genius. And he teaches them how to avoid a life of indifference, and he has experienced a life of great wonder. And having emerged from everything that he's done and to see where he is today and where he still wants to go, that for me is true passion. So, Alan, my friend, welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. Hey, Deb, it's my honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. And what kind words you say. Are you sure you're talking about me and not some other guy? I, I'm talking about you, and I have to be honest, I've got, goosebumps. I've got goosebumps right now, not because I'm cold, but I just, you're, you're another connection for me that I know is synergistically, universally, whatever you want to call it, is right. So I have to do a disclaimer before we start the show, 
Alan and I have always made a pact that we were going to have a glass of Malbec together. So I, I poured my glass, and I'm, we're not on video, but I'm raising it to you right now, my friend, and I'd like to say cheers. And we're finally going to have this wonderful glass of wine together, and I know it'll be just an hour of intellectual stimulating conversation. So cheers to you. Cheers to you. And while we're doing this, I'm going to actually pour my glass of wine and see if we can pick it up here on my iPhone. I don't know that we can. We're going to give it a shot. Can you hear that at all? Maybe not. <laughs> yes, I can. can. You, I did. I, I, it, that, that, that was wine. That was wine, everyone. It's my Menage a Trois Malbec 2014 now in my glass. I salute you back. Thank you, and that friend. is indeed very good. Well, oh, it's, it's been on our list here. for it's it's been on our list for a while. So there you go. Now, Ellen, you know we've had many conversations, and what's interesting to me is my background as a disability case manager creeps into my interview every week, regardless of what change book author I spoke to. And I know that you and I have shared many conversations about your health. And I didn't want to go into the depth of your past health history because I'm the type of person that I think if it's someone's story to tell, it should come from their mouth. So I would just love for you to give the listeners an overview of your cardiac challenges and death experiences and kind of where that's brought you to today because I know that's a story in itself. So I'm going to let you start the show by sharing your journey with our listeners. Sure, I'd be honored to. And I, I will say, though, up till about three years ago, I just navigated my life with a cardiac challenge. I don't know life without it. Um, I was born with a number of conditions, so I've lived my life with it. And up until a couple of years ago, I never made it a point of really educating to it. Um, people have always been asking, well, how have you been able to do what you've been able to do, given your, your, you know, your cardiac you know, conditions? And I've said, well, maybe it's time that I start making a pivot in my life and start documenting and sharing and consulting about how I've done what I've done based on my uh, my health condition. So a couple of years ago, I started to do that. I think it all stemmed from maybe the most recent cardiac event. So I think I'll, I'll start with my most recent and then qualify it for the last 50-plus years. About four and a half years ago, I had a uh, cardiac arrest. And uh, I was uh, it was late at night. It was like 1130 at night. And um, my wife and I were together, and we were having intimate relations. And I've always said, you know, if I'm going to go, I want to go out on top. Well, I'll let you leave it to your imagination as to what that uh, what that might in picture. But that's exactly how, unfortunately, uh, I did. Um, I was gone uh, for about 26 minutes. My wife did CPR. Uh, it was a, a, a hellish night. Uh, two paramedic teams showed up. They worked on me for about 25, 24, 25 minutes. They shocked me eight times. They gave me 12 cardiac injections. I, I, I don't have a picture of this, but my family said that, uh, and some friends that had come over to console my wife and, 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 and take care of her during this, said our, our bedroom looked like a war zone. It looked just like it would look on one of the uh, emergency room shows. And uh, I can't even imagine that horrific 
type of environment. But uh, that led to, you know, me going into cold storage, uh, so to speak, uh, uh, ice-induced coma. And um, I came out of that okay. They did that to help eliminate any potential for brain damage. They gave me a pacemaker, a defibrillator while I was in there. And uh, I woke up, and I was a little bit in awe of where I was at. I kind of knew it because I'd grown up historically for the last 25, 30 years designing hospitals. So, you know, I familiar with the environment so I knew something it was something was terribly wrong but didn't quite know what and I remember none of the events not even one I owed not even the day of the event uh, so the last three or four years have been have been a challenge in navigating that and a couple of years ago with some aha moments I said you know let me document kind of my journey my last 50 years and the things that I've done with my life the things that have happened to me while my life has been going on and uh, it, it started back, uh, now, now, now to go backwards here, it started back when I was born with my congenital heart condition, the aortic stenosis and coarctation when I was a baby. And that resulted in four open-heart surgeries with an artificial heart valve. Uh, on the fourth surgery, I had become an adult at that particular time. And that many years ago, they had no idea exactly how to put you know, a non-growth artificial technology inside of a baby. So they had to wait until I was older in order to do that. And that was 31 years ago. And uh, for about 10, 15 years, I was great. Uh, didn't have any conditions. And then, oh, the next 10, 15 years weren't so good. I was shocked with paddles on about 23 separate occasions uh, to bring my heart back into uh, sinus rhythm. And, of course, they stopped your heart and it started to get on each one of those. And those were no fun. Uh, but all the while, I was building companies. I was designing hospitals. I even designed some of the, the uh, operating rooms that uh, that I was a patient in, of, of all odd things. But that was a really unique experience. But in that same time frame, I, uh, you know, three months after my last cardioversion, I had made a million dollars, and I had lost it and made part of it back again and started two companies and lost a company. And, you know, 9-11 was in all of that kind of rigmarole and, I still navigated, and I think I did that because of uh, partly in, in, in retrospect the wisdom of my parents having to, you know, shoulder this grenade that went off in their lap when they found out their child's got heart disease and how they navigated and taught me. And then uh, just my own experiences living with that, um, you know, it, it's tough for anyone that has cardiac disease, and cardiac disease comes in so many different variations and so many different types and styles, and some are congenital, some are acquired, some are based on, you know, life uh, life habits and, and so on and so forth. And I just, I documented that and said, you know, I think maybe this is my time now to pivot in my life and show some other folks how I was able to do what I did with my significant and severe cardiac uh, cardiac challenges. So that's where I've headed the last three or four years, and that was part of the reason for uh, my chapter in in uh, the change. It wasn't directly related to my cardiac disease, but my story was, and the story is an powerful piece. It, it gives you that uniqueness in the marketplace regardless of what your industry you're in. So really there's no competition for you regardless of what, as to what you do. And uh, that was the impact that I wanted to start to make with this chapter in the book. And here we are today. Things have grown. Uh, I, I feel privileged to work with a lot of people with cardiac disease, whether they're CEOs or whether they're new kids, uh, whatever that, you know, that, that full range. So it's been an honor. It continues to be. I'm blessed with 
an enormous amount of people that uh, have, have said that I've been able to help them. And, uh, you know, that's the biggest payoff. Outside of getting married and, and having our kids, that's been the biggest single payoff in my life is to hear those kind words from people that have been able to help. So that kind of brings us up to where we are today. Long story short, well, or long story long, however that, however that fits. Well, I think my favorite thing that I enjoy, whether I'm reading something you wrote or I'm watching uh, a video, is your passion for words. And I said that when I introduced you. And I, I love the description that you give to words and how you paint an image and you tell a story. And I see the emotion that you evoke. And the word that stood out to me from the story that you just told us so eloquently is you just kept navigating. You know, people talk about how things can go awry in business. And there is not an, an entrepreneur walking this planet who hasn't fallen, who hasn't lost money, who hasn't felt set up, ready to throw in the towel. And I think what happens is we have to find that inner depth of resilience to help us navigate. So where do you find your emotional grit and, and where do you have to dig deep because we all have those days, and I know that's one of the biggest questions that I get asked as an entrepreneur is, how do you stay so positive? And I know from you, just from what you said about your health, every day is a gift, and you and I have joked and bantered back and forth, but where do and where have you turned to, to find that emotional grit on the days where you maybe don't think you're going to have it? Well, that's a great question, and I can honestly say up to I had this pivot point in my life a few years ago. I don't know that I could have put my finger on it. Um, I, I'd like to say it was, you know, the just my resolve. But in, in in some internal investigation and some enlightenment and being real transparent with myself, it really came in the commitment and the sacrifice from my parents and from those in the medical community that have kept me alive. And there's been a lot of people, more than I could possibly count, uh, that have sacrificed their time, that have, that have sacrificed their family time, their family resources, going to medical school, the sacrifice of time of, of an emergency room doctor being away from his or her family to take care of somebody else, the resilience and the commitment from the cardiac surgeons that spend five, 10, 15, 18 hours of me in surgery, never giving up until their end result that they are looking for has been achieved. And that's an extremely humbling position to be in. And I owe it to my family, but I owe it to them, and I owe it to the people that, uh, that, have, that are coming from behind me, that, uh, that are growing now with these conditions, that, that have some of these challenges. And if I can give a little bit of that back in some way, shape, or form, then that gives honor to the people that have kept me here. And uh, however that sounds, that really is the very transparent me. And when I've got a down day or I'm tired or I'm frustrated or the computer doesn't work or I wasn't able to really help this particular client the way I wanted to or the results that I was trying to pull for, you know, a, a company was up to their standards but not up to mine, I look back to the fact that there are these people cheering me on, um, figuratively um, and, and, and spiritually in some case, 
But that's who I look to. That's where I turn. I look over my shoulder and I, and I look at the, the multitude of people that have kept me here because there's a lot, generally speaking, from a physical standpoint, I've broken a lot of odds to stay here. A lot of people haven't been able to, to have the, the odds of life that I have. And I look towards that and say, thank you, and say, okay, let me bring my best today and tomorrow to solve the challenges that I am having right now and maybe what somebody else might have later on. Well, that's a lovely analogy. I, 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 I think the bottom line is, is I don't think God's ready for you, and I think you still got a lot of work to do. So I, I hope you're not getting ready to retire too soon. <laughs> no, I'm I'm 55, and I really kind of feel like I'm just now getting started. And I remember back in my 30s, a lot of my mentors that were 55 and 60 said that you know you've got to have some burn-in time, no matter no matter what your expertise is, no matter what your experience level is, to really be able to have significant influence on a large contingent of people based on your history. You have to have some history. And they've said. 50s and 60s are, are a lot of times where that uh, where that kicks in. And I know with the age of the internet and, and our connectivity and our global reach, that that is being you know that that time is, is truncated now. It, it's much smaller, but nonetheless, there is still life experience that has to be experienced in order to offer and to give. I don't have another drink of wine. You have a drink of wine, and I agree with you, and I think I think there's a level of comfort that comes with, as you so eloquently always say, transparency. And I think in order to be transparent, which means ready to share on all levels your emotion, regardless of if it's your personal life, your professional life, and within both of those paradigms, being able to show the good, the bad, and the ugly, and being okay with that and being present in that moment and just laying out that passion and that grit. Because how can you be a good speaker on any topic or a good coach or a good author? You have to come from a place of experience. And I think that you do that so well, Alan, with your writing, because when I, when I read, you know, I've read your chapter a couple of times, and, and, and even when I watch your videos, the passion is so evident. Like, I, I literally think that you are the king of wordsmithing now because I, I look at some <laughs> of the words that you write, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, he's so good. Like, how does, where does this come from? I know where it comes from, but I think it's, I think it's a gift. So well, there is a <laughs> – you go ahead. I'm gonna have a drink now. You no, I, no, I, I was just, I, I was, I, I was humbly chuckling. I, I, I read the words, and and I'm always saying that is so good. That is so good. I totally get what he's saying, and I, I think it's a gift. But I know that gift comes from everything that you've gone through. And I, you know, I will admit to you, I have moved my coaching business online now just because I'm choosing not to travel. And what I'm really focusing on this year as a coach, Alan, is sometimes when we don't have a session with a client that we thought maybe it didn't go or it didn't slant the way we wanted, I'm now just embracing the imperfection 
of coaching because at the end of the day, when we remove all the titles and all the experience, we are person to person. And what we're truly doing is we're honing in with our listening skills to our clients. And we are listening, and I know you and I have talked about this a lot, and I know that you do it as well. We listen with pure intent to gather the information. We're, we're not necessarily listening to process a response right away. And I think that is probably the biggest compliment that I get from my coaching clients. And I'd love for you to just offer a bit of insight when you're listening to your coaching clients or even when you're professionally speaking. I call them these aha moments when I'm speaking. And sometimes it's like you hop out of your body and you're, and you're looking at yourself on stage going, where is this coming from? And I, I know you have had those moments as well. So just frame that for the listeners for where, where do you think you've derived, aside from your health concerns as a professional, where do you think and how do you think that you've honed your listening skills to be as I just described? Well, I'm happy to answer that. But before I do, I do want to say that uh, I know enough about you to say that, yes, I totally agree with your client base at past, present, and future that uh, you have the ability to be confident with who you are and what you're going to deliver. So you can dedicate 100% of your ear time to what's coming out of the, you know, the voice box of your, of your client. And that can be taught, that can be learned, but I think a lot of that comes from just being confident with where you've come from, knowing what you have to offer, not having to study that or get ready for that or to memorize that but you have it and it's sitting in wait uh, for its time. And so I, I've experienced that with you and uh, I've seen other people experience that through you. And so you definitely do have that gift. So kudos. I, I will salute you and, and toast you uh, another, another glass. I'm going to get through this glass of wine in no time at all tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, talking about where it's come for me is I, I think similar, similar um, definition in that, I'm pretty confident at my age now with what I've, what I've accomplished in, in my past and the things that I've not accomplished, the things that I've failed in. But I understand the track record. I understand the history. I see the road. Uh, I know the potholes, and I, and I know the joys. And, of course, I can really only truly be an expert in me. I, can't, I can data aggregate a bunch of other things from a lot of other people, offer that up, and say here is a solution or multiple solutions to, you know, a very – you know, cachet of problems, but uh, I'm limited as to how much I can really dive deep with somebody on that. I don't have any experience there, but I have experience with me. And I think that's the biggest key is it to offer to people is that you have experience with you. When you understand and accept and when you aggregate your, your own situations and your own life together and you're able to pull from that, there's confidence in that. And when you have that confidence, you're no longer nervous or scared about how you might respond to anybody about anything. And so your ears are more open for what's coming your way. And, and that's how I've done it in the past. I've just been real cognizant of, of when someone's chatting with me, not thinking about how I'm going to respond. It doesn't matter what I say. And, and what I mean by that is I know that however I, I respond will be authentic. It'll be real. 
it'll probably be about an experience or a story or a circumstance or result that I've experienced in my life because, once again, that's all I can truly pull from. And so I'm confident that, uh, you know, I'll be able to integrate something and give something to this person. Will it change your life? I have no idea. Will I be able to navigate the, the conversation, you know, with, with a great deal of efficacy? Sure. And that's what I use. I'm just confident. Now, if I'm speaking in front of a group, I'm going to have my group, my talk down. I'm going to know where I'm at on the stage. I'm going to know the kind of response I'm going to want to get from the people in the front row and the people in the back row. I know how long the response is going to take. I study, 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 study. Now, that's a, that's, that's a, a little bit different approach, but the concept's the same because I'll pull from the knowledge that I have. I'm not getting in a book and doing research. This is coming from me because I can only teach about me. I used to teach about other things, but, but now I teach about me. So it's 100% present at all places at all times, all my experience about me and all my results and my failures and the successes and, and all the things that I can share that are already here. So when I aggregate those, into a particular format, then that's the homework. But as far as being able to really think on a dime and and be able to pull from histories and years and years, well, I've aggregated it correctly, I believe, and uh, I I can pull what I need for the situation. And I could only have done that because of the years. I don't know that I could have done it in my 30s. Well, I probably could have, but it would have been a limited amount of resources and a limited amount of offering that I could have given. I didn't have quite the, the history of, of, you know, scars and bumps and bruises that I have now. But I think just being cognizant and understanding the value that uh, your life can have to someone else that's either just starting to experience where you've been or is looking for their own aha moment a lot of time that comes with not telling somebody what to do, but offering your journey in similar circumstance. Uh, a lot of times that has much more value. So that's what I that's what I reach on. That's what I keep in the back of my mind, and that's what I store for uh, for whoever might come my way. Well, and I I find the millennium. Millennials, if I'm saying that right, generation, very interesting because what we're becoming in our 50s with what you just mentioned, we have the experience, we're ready, we are the experts in ourselves. And the millennials are completely transparent. They are all about experience. They're not about drive through they're not about fast food, they're not about, you know, big box stores. So I just find such a synergy with that age group because they look at us being, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years older, and we've lived a lifetime to them when they look at us. And I know when I have coaching clients, you know, who are in their 30s, I'm always intrigued when they say, how do you know this or where did you learn that? And it, it makes me want to go back in history, and I'm thinking, I'm 51 years old. Like, I'm not 90. And But when I really take time, and, and no joking, uh, I think about it. It's just the way that they were brought up in the mindset, and I have to bring myself back to the mindset of where I was when I was at their age. So I just, I really just find it intriguing to work with that specific um, age group of clients. Now, I wanted to ask you, 
what drew you to uh, Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, and how did you come about joining the Change Book series, and how has it added to your life both professionally and personally? Uh, sure. Well, I, I know um, I've known Jim Britt for a long time. I, w- I spent a number of years in, in kind of the, the higher ends of uh, network marketing in the development of some companies, uh, some startup companies, um, seed funding and so forth. And so I was kind of around that, that very tight-knit circle of, you know, of folks in that industry. And so I had known uh, Jim Britt for a long time. Jim Lutz, I, I had come to know in the last eight or ten years, not quite as, as detailed as, as, as I knew uh, Jim Britt. But the opportunity came up, and I wanted to – I was looking for somebody to partner with in that point in time in my life. I, I didn't – I had written a couple books. I had wanted to have influence in another book, but I didn't have time in my schedule right then to, to put a whole book together. So that it, the timing was right. I guess that's the biggest thing is the timing was right. And uh, time is a big deal in people's lives. If we sit back and really look at, you know, what's coming and, and kind of where we're headed and looking at the, the opportunities that come our way, you've got to charge them against where you're headed to make sure you don't, you don't uh, take an off-road, you know, take a, a, an off-ramp that's going to deviate you from what you're trying to do. But this came along at the right place at the right time by the right group of people, and it was a slam dunk for me. And uh, I knew that uh, what I wanted to have in the book was uh, a kind of a, a – for the lack of a better word, it was a leap magnet for me. It was a chance to get people to look at themselves in a little bit different way. And uh, so that's why I wrote the chapter that I wrote, very specifically, very intent uh, with what I was doing. But uh, I liked uh, Jim and Jim. They had a great, great background. Their names are fantastic. They had a great following, uh, household name in the, in, the, in the consulting and coaching industry. So it just made sense to me. And uh, I didn't, however... I did not know, or I wasn't confident of the fact that it would that it would take off to the level that it's taken off to, and uh, that is a, a, a hope. But it's been a great surprise, and kudos to to the two of them and to all the others that have uh, felt uh, the the wisdom and the joy of being part of this organization. But I'll tell you, there's 150, 200 people that. Uh, can be uh, can be collaborated with, can be you know worked alongside, uh, that can be partnered with, that can be collaborators in other books and other endeavors, and that I think is probably one of the biggest values that come. I'm, I'm a real big proponent of collaboration. We know as much as we know, uh, but we only know so much. So the more you can collaborate with the ideal people for an ideal goal the better off it is. Well, if you're in a, in, a, in a series like the Change Book or the Chicken Soup for the Soul type books, you've already got a built-in group of people that already have a common goal, that have a common voice almost. Uh, there's power in numbers and there's leverage in the group. And understanding that going in, that was a, a big proponent of mine. And so I've done some of those things. I've reached out and doing some things with people in the group. I would like to do more. Uh, of that, but I think there's a, a tremendous amount of unharvested value just sitting there waiting for somebody to sprinkle a little fertilizer and a little water on it. And I know that's what Jim and Jim hope. And I, I see it happening now, and it's happening for me, and I see it happening across the board for so many authors in the in the group, including yourself, and doing this show. Uh, it's it, it's a great opportunity, and kudos. And I could see 20, 25 books coming out of this series without any question. Well, I'm going to agree because I don't know if you know this, but I have now been called the concierge of the Change Book series. 
Oh, well, there you go. Appropriately titled. Well, we are 13 books, which is 260 authors. I have all 13 books. I have read all the chapters. We are halfway through book number 14, and I fully agree with you. And the running joke with Jim and Jim is I will probably never have to rent a hotel room again in my life because I know people in 25 countries. <laughs> hey, there's a great deal of value in that. It's true. You can travel anywhere you want to. <laughs> so much for B- Airbnb, you got it down. I was just going to say, I don't need Airbnb. I love Airbnb. No, you don't. And, and, you know, I'll share a story with you. I was supposed to go to Dubai last year through one of the uh, change co-authors, and he was so uh, welcoming to me, and we had some Skype meetings, and he connected me with some other female entrepreneurs, and it just didn't land up happening because I've shared with you my my daughter had a car accident and sustained a brain injury. And and a lot of the co-authors who I speak to regularly, they were like, aren't you sad? And I'm going to go back to what you said. I understand my road, and I've navigated, like you, a lot of potholes. And just because the time isn't now doesn't mean it's not going to be in the future. It's just kind of over to the side. For whatever reason, it's kind of like Soul Women on the Go. We've tried to have a couple soft launches. Different things have come up. And I don't get sad because it doesn't mean that the creation of the brand and all the work that we've done is going to, it's not going to go bad. It's not going to rot. It's just going to be placed on the side of the desk for a little bit until it's meant to come to fruition. And that's what I love about being in my 50s is not, not giving it any time or space or emotion. And I, I love, and I want to thank you and your co-host, uh, Christopher Cumby. Uh, you had me on last month with one of your guests, Gary Cox. And I really, really mm-hmm. took away a, a lot of nuggets from that, Alan, because he, he taught us we can have all these thoughts, but we do not have to attach an emotion and for me, when I, when I hung up from that one-hour show from your Thinkful Beeble podcast, I thought, you know this, but sometimes uh-huh. as entrepreneurs and as people, we need other entrepreneurs to just give us that gentle reminder, that, that level of imperfection that I talked about. And I was just like, no, I'm not sad. It's just not right now. It's okay. It doesn't mean we're not going to launch it. It's just not going to be launched right now, and that's okay. Right. So it's funny right. how I, we can get simplicity, right? Very much so. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, that's that's kind of the life of an entrepreneur. It, there, there's no guarantee. There's no system that you're that you're integrating into. There's no already built company that you're offering to. You're creating from scratch in most cases something that didn't have prior existence, and that can be tough and a lot of times it is tough on all sorts of fronts and not everything works and not everything you know everything has a gestation period everything including everything physical on our planet has a gestation period and every thought has a gestation period and if it weren't for entrepreneurs there wouldn't be anything in the world and there wouldn't be this technology there wouldn't be these phones there wouldn't be penicillin there wouldn't be buildings there wouldn't be you know food there wouldn't be car there wouldn't be any of these things the entrepreneur is the one that has brought all these things to fruition. But with all the things that have been brought to fruition, there's, there's countless 
things that sit in the wings, and there's countless things that sit in drawers with dust on them that, that will never come to fruition. But that's not that's not the goal. The goal is to is to work with the one thing when the timing's right, when the economy's right, when the need is right. And uh, you know, it's kind of like you know, like uh, I love surfers. I, I I've never surfed, uh, but I watch blind surfers on the on the islands and. I see them sitting out there hour after hour finding that right wave. But when they get on that right wave and they ride that wave greatly, what what a miracle. Well, that's the life of an entrepreneur. Sometimes you sit and wait. Sometimes you, you put 12 things, 15 things up. But that one thing's going to hit as long as you're diligent and as long as you're providing something that's, that's got a need in the marketplace, as long as you know that wave is coming, it's understanding the timing of it and getting the timing right. And then you're off the running. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Completely. Absolutely. And I I wanna know you've got you've got so many things on the go right now. And we're already through half of twenty seventeen, which which just <laughs> boggles my mind. I know. Scary. Um, what's 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 some of your goals and, and dreams for the remainder of twenty seventeen? I I'd love for you to share with the listeners and, and I know you've got lots of things kind of in the mill and in the works and, and, and I'd love to hear and, and hear you share what uh, what you'd like to see for the remainder of the year and what you what you've got cooking. Awesome. I uh, know I'm happy to. Uh I've got my my new company that that started the Heart God Gave Me project, where I've I've pivoted and turning you know my consulting into working with people with heart disease. And my goal in the next five years, I want to get the foundation set in the next six months, and I've got about half done now. There's 85 million people in the U.S. alone with heart disease, and I want to reach 85 million people in five years. So I've got a lot of work to do, and I won't be able to do it alone. Uh, that's the bigger goal. There's lots of uh, immediate collaborations that are happening uh, in the wings to to make that happen. Uh, but uh, part of that is, <laughs> as as the reason I wrote the chapter in my book is to be relevant and be visible. And if you're not relevant with what you're talking about to a particular demographic of people, if you're not visible out in the marketplace so they can see you, then things are going to go slow. Things aren't going to happen. And uh, I, I want to be more relevant with what I do with my audience, and I want to be more visible. And part of being visible, whether it's uh, auditory or, or whether it is through video, we're going to Chris and I are going to continue with uh, Think Bold, Be Bold. We're uh, going to be joining uh, C-Suite. And uh, if you don't know what C-Suite is, I encourage all your listeners to get out there and look at C-Suite. It is a fantastic network of opportunity for the entrepreneur, for C-suite executives, for business owners to have a much larger voice, a much bigger voice. So we're going to be uh, joining that platform and an incredible group of people. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. That, that's going to be something big. That's going to explode our, uh, our voice and uh, our show, I think, in ways we hadn't even anticipated. And that's coming here probably around the August-ish time. Uh, it might be a little bit earlier, might be a little bit later, but that's something we're doing. Uh, we are expanding our Mavericks program to bring it to fruition. Uh, I think we were a little ahead of where we wanted to be a couple of years ago, but we're not now. We're getting some fantastic feedback and some, some fantastic uh, requests 
for uh, the type of consulting we're doing for individual companies and for uh, large uh, institutions and also for individuals. So that's gonna, you're going to hear a lot more about that. We're going to be very voicious in that over the next three or four months. So we want to do some launching before the end of the year, getting some foundations set uh, with our new partnerships and new collaborations. Uh, so I'm excited about uh, what's happening, but it means uh, it's going to be a lot more work I thought maybe the rest of the year I could I could kind of slide, but that's not going to happen. I don't think an entrepreneur truly ever really rests. Their mind's constantly going, even if their body's not. And uh, that's the case with me, although in this case my, my mind and my body are running about uh, 90 miles an hour. So we're going to get those things set uh, and be, you know, going to be able to offer some of those opportunities up. And some of those uh, some of those times up, and some of the voices up for other people to participate in, which is a joy for us to see the the, the success of others being being promoted. That's a, a personal joy for me, and uh, so that's what that's what's happened in the in the next six months and and the next five years. Everything in between, that's the work. <laughs> well, I I have talked to you and Chris. Uh, Christopher Cumby, because you've done a phenomenal job, and I was honored to be one of your guests on Think Bold, Be Bold, and I love the format of the show, and I love that you guys are just so laid back, and how you kind of ping pong, for lack of a better phrase, back and forth, and just the caliber of, of guests that you've had from around the globe, and, and and you just love interviewing and communicating and bringing the best out of people during your interview. And I think now that I'm running this show as a radio host, I think that's just the goal of the time that you have with that person is just to bring out the best of them in the time that you have. And I just, uh, I'm really happy for you guys because I know you've done really, really well on the iTunes platform. So I just want to congratulate you. And, and that's one of my goals as well. And, and like you said, you've got to, you know, you've got to pull up your sleeves and put in a little elbow grease. And it's not a nine-to-five job. Hence, you wouldn't have chosen entrepreneurship if that's what you wanted, right? Right. Right, absolutely, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for those kind words, and uh, we'd like to have you back on the show and uh, maybe some other folks and maybe even Jim and Jim and do a live video with 10, 15, 20 people and uh, really explode where you guys are going and the kind of the impact that uh, the change search is making in the marketplace, and if we can help you, you know, help foster that and help promote that, then we will surely do it. I see a lot of synergy. I see a lot of synergy, Alan, between what you want to do with the Mavericks program and the caliber of talent in the change. And I think that's something that definitely warrants a future conversation. So uh, we'll we'll put that on our list for the next glass of Malbec, which I think now will have to be mandatory when we have Skype for conference calls. So I, I totally agree. A little bit of fun. I, me too, and and it's good for your heart. So you know me. I'm I'm all about looking after my my friends and my colleagues, of which you you fall under both categories. So there you go. So well, thank you. I wanted and, to and have a little ditto on my end. <laughs> I wanted to have a little fun with you tonight. Um, okay. Yesterday was Father's Day, so happy belated Father's Day, and. Thank you. I've had a lot of dads give me a lot of flack since 2016 because I've always 
honored Mums of the Month since 2016. So my dad has been <laughs> passed away for 30 years this year in September. Yeah. So I thought, how can I really maintain the legacy of honoring my dad? So I launched my Dad of the Month yesterday. And today I was thinking about how could I entertain our listeners and have some fun with Alan, who's just fun whenever. So I'm going to ask you the questions, and you have no time to think. You just have to answer them. So are you okay. ready? Okay. I am. I feel like I'm on Jeopardy or okay. something. You go, girl. You are. Okay. Describe Alan Witch in one word. Grateful. What one characteristic would you say makes you a different dad? Oh, boy. What advice would you give to the younger Alan Witch? Listen better. What makes you laugh out loud? Myself. What makes you excited? My family. What makes you motivated? My family. What makes you surprised? God. What makes you sad? Failure. What makes you fearful? What's your favorite season? Fall. What's your favorite go-to meal? I'm sorry, say that again. What is your favorite go-to meal? Oh, mac and cheese. <laughs> For cardiac patient, not great, is it? <laughs> With a glass of milk. Yeah, does that balance it out? I mean, I don't know. I... It is. Hey, I'm a work by Phallus expert. You pass. What's your favorite hobby or activity? Oh, golf. What's your favorite memory? My dad. What is your favorite self-care activity? Self-care activity? Uh, reading. Oh, that's not surprising to hear that. <laughs> how, do you how do you contribute to your community? Authentically. What is your favorite quote and why? You know, make me pick one. Just one, my friend, I'm sorry. What's the one that really you've reread it? It's something that just keeps coming through the thread of your life. Just never quit. Well, that's kind of synonymous with our conversation tonight because you yeah, I think you so. definitely un- you you understand the road you've traveled. When you fall, you get back up and keep navigating. You mm-hmm. cross over the potholes and you learn, and you become an expert in yourself. Like, what better advice could you give as a coach or a professional speaker? It's you know, it's not that I hate the cliche, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, but really. That's what we're saying. Like, I can help you. I've I've been through that. I know how you feel. 
and it's really awful. But you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. And I know it sounds easy and cliche, but when you can convey that to someone, whether you're coaching or speaking, to me, that is true success. I totally agree. We know ourselves best. We know our journey best. Whether it is, you know, sub or above part of somebody else's journey is irrelevant because what we've experienced is is going to be exactly what somebody else is looking for. And we just have to understand that value and the billions of people there are in the world that are looking for that themselves. I have a feeling it's not an inclination, it's a feeling. I don't think that we've seen the best of Alan Witch yet. I think the best is yet to come. Am I wrong in saying that? No, I think you're probably right in saying that. Um, I'm, I'm honored with the results and the help and the things that have done in the past, but I think there's a, 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 lot, a lot more depth and breadth that I'm not even aware of yet that, that, that's out there. I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it. I'd be I'd be lying if I said that I was confident. I'm not confident about exactly where it's going to go. I think I'm up to the charge. Uh, I'm excited. I also know I'm not going to do it alone. It's going to incorporate copious amounts of collaboration. And uh, with that said, I, I'm going to go forth in faith and uh, and charge charge opportunities back towards that focus, and we'll see where it takes us. Well, I have to say that I'm probably, because I know you love words, I'm probably parallel to you in what you just said. And Jim Luke has completely ingrained in my frontal lobe that my <laughs> idea doesn't have, doesn't have to have everything perfectly figured out. So, again, I'm learning in 2017 to embrace the imperfection because, like you've talked about, so wonderful through this interview. I'm the expert in me, and you're the expert in you. And being in our 50s, we have such a great amount of experience that is the foundation of all the emotions that go with it. And, and as you said, we've continued to navigate our road and continue to be successful. And that, to me, is priceless. I think that, to me, is the foundation of passion for any new ideas. And I agree with you. I think within the change book community and the thinkful, be bold community, who I've met phenomenal people with from, by the way, who have become friends and colleagues, and it's all about just reaching out and communicating and having a phone call and getting away from the computer and saying, hi, I'm a real person and I want to talk to you outside of a text or an email. It's quite enlightening when, when people actually appreciate that you take the time to want to know them because I think it's becoming a lost art. But I'm hoping you and I and many others within our generation will, will keep that alive and going to show those coming behind us that it's something that's never going to go away and it's going to be constant in our lineage, even though we've become a technology dependent society. So I think you're, you're arm in arm with me on that one. I hope. I, I, I think there's complete unity there. You know, we are the parent of our own ideas and our own journey. And if we're not going to foster that, nobody else is going to, uh, but it's not a, you know, I, I am a, a firm believer and it takes a village. 
And we just happen to be, you know, as individuals have to be open to the village. And I think once we're open to the village, some amazing things are going to happen. Well, I I fully agree with you. And I want you to tell your wife that when you and I meet, sparks are going to fly, but from a completely plutonic <laughs> level, because we've chatted on the phone for I don't even know how long. I just feel like we've been through so much together. And it's just going to be such a surreal moment when we physically get to meet face to face. And I, I truly feel that way about a lot of the co-authors and the change. And it'll be the same when I meet Chris. So I look forward to that day. And I hope that we at least get something planned in 2017 to maybe be unveiled in 2018. But I see it in our future. And another synergy I feel that I really share with you, Alan, is I feel that we're both quiet leaders. And I know that you resonate on what I mean when I say that. I do. And I can appreciate where you're coming from. I, I agree with your, your position of what's happening in the future. Um, but, yeah, the quiet leader is a, is, a, is, is a very patient, but not to be, uh, you know, be construed as irrelevant. But a patient leader is someone that really does, in fact, wait when the time's right, not for them necessarily, but for the, the person, place, or thing that they're focused on. And I think there's a there's an art to that. There's a there's tenure to that. There's an experience level to that. But there's also a great deal of satisfaction in that. Oh, there absolutely is. And I, I literally could sit here and talk to you all night. I told you it was going to go by fast. <laughs> we Did have you done me? that, by the way. <laughs> I know. Yes, I know. I, I know. And I so think, you know, I just that, I. I let me let me, let me I want to interject something here real quick. I just want to I just want to say that technology has allowed this earth to become really small. There's a lot of companies and individuals now that work remotely that will probably never meet their client or never meet their collaborator and, and shake their hand. And that's new, I think, for a lot of companies and a lot of entrepreneurs, and I think for a lot of business owners, but. And, and I think it's happening a lot in the change. I think there's a lot of people that will collaborate that may, well, I don't want to say never, but maybe not physically meet for a long time and that it's okay and that it, that is a whole different way of bringing out commerce between people. That kind of collaboration at a distance is something new for our world. And I'm excited about what that's going to lead to. I'm excited about what it's going to create. And I'm excited more about actually meeting these people for the first time physically. To me, that's the real joy, is, is seeing that come to fruition and being able to say, hey, look at what we created alone and look what we've done. And now when we actually meet for the first time, what that's going to do to that what kind of level that's going to create and enhance in that relationship. And I think that's new for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people can really express what that new level is because we're in the infancy of that technology. So I'm excited about uh, what that's going to bring to the, the, the commerce uh, in all these different demographics is when the remote location, the remote concept of business development becomes one, and uh, I, I'm excited about that. I think it's going to give a whole new level of efficacy to to business. 
uh, remotely and uh, locally. So that's something that uh, I think we'll be talking a lot about in the years to come. Well, I fully agree with you, and I, I, I will guarantee to you there's going to be tears in Melbeck, probably in sync. <laughs> yeah, lots of Melbeck, that I know, tears, and some good food. We've had some, uh, we've shared some good food. Yes, we are foodies. So I'm excited about that. Yes. <laughs> well, my friend, I, I wish you good health. I, I pray for you daily. I look forward to collaborating with you, with you and Christopher. I, I know the best is yet to come. And thank you for for spending the last hour with me, and uh, I look forward to our future. Well, I totally agree. I, I am humbled and honored to be to be uh, on your show and to spend time with you. And hopefully, some of the things that we've talked about is going to give some aha moments and 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 some wisdom to the listeners. And if they need anything, feel free to reach out. I'll do whatever I can to help anybody. Um, uh, all thing I can offer is what I know. Uh, but it has been a joy and a continued joy, and I, I think that uh, what we've created is just in the infancy. I don't think we've even really started creating yet together. So I'm excited about the next three years and what might happen. Me too. So you take care. So thank you, Alan Lynch from book number six. Thank you, Deb. I just another awesome interview with Alan Witch from book number six of the Change Book series. And just a recap of some of the key points is understanding the road that you have traveled in your life, regardless of the age that you are, and continue to navigate those potholes. So when you have a bad day or you can't think that you can get back up and go on, you can. You, you hold on to that string of hope because tomorrow is always a new day. And like uh, Alan said, we are an expert in ourselves. So, you know, have that daily affirmation and look in the mirror and know that looking at yourself, you are the expert in me. That should be one of the daily affirmations you should start singing or saying to yourself every morning in the mirror. So I want to announce that I'm going to be back tomorrow night. Again, we're trying to get caught up. Tomorrow night we are traveling to Malaysia, and I am interviewing Alini Sarantino from Malaysia, and I'm so excited. She was supposed to be on last Wednesday night, and life happens, and we weren't able to do it. So this week we've got Tonight with Alan Witch from Book 6. We've got Alini from Book 6 as well tomorrow night, and then we're going to be doing our regular Wednesday night show. So thank you for tuning in to the Change Book Radio Show. And and my message to leave you with tonight is just embrace being imperfect. When I talk about work-life balance or work-life fit, I talk about just ebbing and flowing and just working with the progress. There's no such thing as perfection. So thank you for spending time with me tonight. And I'll be back here tomorrow night, Tuesday, June the 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care.